This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Epinov here and uh, this is the new issue of the Wispin Recipes podcast and uh, today I've got a special guest, Chris, a manager at uh, Promo Hut. Hello, Chris. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm doing great and please introduce yourself. Yeah, my name's Chris Gorsuch. Um, I'm the project manager and producer at uh, promohut.com, uh, which is a subscription service for DJs to receive upcoming pre-release music. Excellent. And can you tell me a bit more about what exactly uh, uh, what exactly it is and how it works? Because uh, as uh, as I know, it's not the same kind of uh, promo pool concept that is pretty common out there. And uh, uh, you offer pretty unique service, uh, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's slightly different from a traditional promo pool in as in as the model works based on subscribing to a specific label. So it enables like fans and DJs who are really into a specific electronic label to receive all of the promos that come for that label. So the way it works is, you know, you can visit our website and browse through the selection of labels that we have on offer. And then you can choose one or multiple labels to sign up to. And then you pay a, an aggregated subscription fee based on the number of releases you receive each month. And on a monthly basis, you receive an email every time a new promo is available that you can listen to the tracks, uh, read about the artists and the release, and then leave your feedback and download the release for playing out and listening to it yourself. Uh, yeah, sounds, sounds pretty cool. And how, how many labels do you have uh, approximately? Uh, we're coming up to about 100 labels now. Um, we've only been launched for a, a couple of months, so you know we've managed to get quite a lot of content on board and we've got a good selection of you know house music and other electronic musics um, quite across the board, really. And that, sort of, that roster's growing every day. So, sounds great. And uh, yeah, so uh, today uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, this uh, culture of, uh, of, of promo in, uh, uh, in electronic music specifically, because it's, it's different because of the DJ culture. And maybe you can provide a bit of background uh, from your personal experience as someone who's been in, uh, in, in music for uh, quite a while. And uh, so... Uh, For people, for example, who are not into electronic music, can you emphasize the importance of promos uh, for uh, for musicians, for producers, and for DJs? Yeah, I mean, the, the promo, the idea of a promo, of a promotional release, goes quite far back in, into the roots of electronic music and back beyond that into you know reggae sound system culture, essentially, and early electronic music where... Um, DJs and people produ- you know, playing on sound systems would produce dubs or dub plates, single versions, cut versions of vinyl or acetate vinyls of exclusive tracks. And the whole idea there was it was very competitive, you know, lots of sound systems competing for different crowds. So the DJs realized that if they cut unique versions of, of, of popular songs at the time, that that would get them a better crowd reaction. The dub bit coming from a dubbing or doubling, which means to take away the vocal. So essentially they were instrumental versions of famous tunes or edited versions. And the DJs in, in reggae culture noticed that those got the biggest reaction. So there became a kind of a bit of a, a war of weapons to find the best dub plates and the best one-off tracks. Um, and that, that idea is kind of permeated through the whole history of electronic music, particularly important in hip hop. 
um, and then right down to you know more modern times where you know DJs would produce a track or DJ producers would make a new track and they would cut it onto a dub plate or a test pressing uh, to test it out on the crowd to see if it was any good um, and also to share a small amount of copies amongst their friends as physical copies um, and that then went on obviously because the demand for these tunes became quite high because they were quite rare and then early test pressing versions, you know, the first 20 copies to see if the sound was okay of a pressing plant would quite often make their way to under the counters of, of record shops, you know, all over the world, um, especially in London, in my experience, you know, and young DJs would go in and try and get those early test pressings uh, of, of the tracks so they could play them first. So that's essentially it. So it's all about having the exclusive limited tracks and playing them first before anyone else and therefore having an edge over your competitors. Yeah, so good old days. It's all changed with uh, the digital age, right? So with, I mean, with uh, the uh, P2P networks and then uh, all the stores and just ways to exchange music. And uh, basically uh, the music can't be that easily limited just to the uh, producers and selected A-list DJs. You can uh, get quite a lot of uh, stuff online beforehand. Oftentimes uh, uh, tracks are ripped from vinyls or just leaked somehow. So maybe a few comments on, on that and how it affected the whole culture. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the advent of digital music and the explosion of digital music with services like Napster, uh, where large catalog, you know, the internet enabled, enabled large catalogs of music to be widely available um, and also to, to pretty much zero manufacturing cost. You know, once a, a, a digital copy exists, um, it means that it can be duplicated for zero cost and therefore be spread far and wide. So that kind of changed things in that, you know, it, it made it harder for record labels to sometimes make money. Mm -hmm. It made it harder for DJs to maintain that exclusivity if they were putting records out or DJ producers um, putting records out. But it also meant that people had to be, it's meant that people have to be more creative. Um, it's definitely been a big driving force in the, the shift from a culture of just DJs to DJs who produce, which is pretty much the common thing now. If somebody's DJing, they're making tracks as well. And I think part of that stems from the ability to make their own tracks. So they have those exclusive promos or dub plates of their very own. Um, and obviously the, the, the flip side of cheap reproduction of music is that, you know, we've now got access, easy access to professional high quality computers and software to make our own music. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a bit of a double edge, you know, we lost out in terms of, you know, product became more easily available and less rare, but also enabled young, young people to, to innovate and make their own music, which is a really interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. And Okay, so switching uh, to to a real related topic, uh, can you give some recommendations to uh, to to DJs who don't have uh, like household names just yet, but uh, who want to play out promos? Of course, you can recommend signing up to your service, but okay. <laughs> um, if uh, someone just wants uh, tracks from a particular mid-level producer or just some label um, uh, because there, there there is something that uh, the labels and producers are looking for so additional exposure and uh, I guess they want to be kind of confident that uh, the tracks won't be leaked uh, too quickly if uh, they're shared with with a DG so maybe you can give some recommendations and tips um, uh, that you could give to to a DG who is into uh, asking for some promos 
yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot harder than it used to be to get pre-release music, mainly because of the piracy issue. Um, but if a DJ is, you know, really keen to get on those lists and to get upfront music, I think first and foremost, you know, support the labels and the artists that you want music from, you know. It's this is two-way street and you can't just expect to approach an artist or a label and say, hey, I want to get some promos and, and to get that, you need to build a relationship with them. And I think a good starting point for that is to, you know, is to talk about their stuff online and to talk about them and talk about the music you love and be passionate about it. And I think, you know, if you're doing that, that's a good way to get to get noticed in the first place. Um, so I think that's really important to be active online, to be talking to the labels. I think it's also important, second point would be to make sure that you're being targeted you know there's nothing worse than you know in a music industry position when somebody contacts you and you're like hey you know we want promos or hey we want to work with you and then you go and look at what they do and 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 their music their musical tastes or their, their musical direction is is not related in any way to what you do you know so it's really important for young djs to to identify the labels that they really like identify the producers that they really like and to you know keep building that relationship and, and working with the music that they love and speaking to the people who produce the music that they love. Because, you know, if you're a trance DJ and you approach, approach a house label, it's just going to get you a, kind of a, a bad reaction because um, dance music, as we know, is quite segmented. Um, so that's, one, that's some of the things that I'd say to start off with. Um, I'd also say to do your own thing. You've got to always do your own thing. You know, if, you, if you're just listening to the latest mixtape or downloading the latest Beatport chart and that's what you're, you're sort of showcasing, that's not really going to cut it. There's going to be thousands and thousands of DJs or you know, bedroom DJs doing that. You've got to get out there. You've got to spend the time looking for good music, looking for interesting music. You know, if you want to produce your own music, um, you know, it, it takes time and I don't think there's any quick fix um, obviously, as you said, we, we run this office promo hut, which enables lab, you know people to connect with labels on a kind of subscription basis. But I think it's also important, you know, that you find your own way for these things as well, um, so you create a new unique sound for you as a DJ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great tips. And uh, yeah, so in music industry generally, networking is important. But uh, I guess you will agree that for DJs it's especially important to have some communication skills and network a lot. It's even more important than for producers. Although it's it's crucial for everyone who who wants to uh, achieve something in music, but uh, DJs have to communicate with producers and labels and with venues, promoters, and other DJs quite a lot, right? Mm, yeah, definitely. Communication is a key part of lots of different things these days. And I think it's important, like I said earlier, to have, have a presence um, online so people can find you and see what you do and to reach out to people who you think, you know, you might be worth connecting, connecting with, you know, in terms of venues or promoters or uh, friends or other groups of DJs, communities, uh, record labels, you know, just to start making those connections. You know, it, it never hurts to send somebody an email or a Facebook message and say, hey, you know, I really like what you're doing. Um, I'm really into it. This is what I do. You know, is there any way that we might be able to work together? It might not get you anywhere. And I don't suggest that you contact everyone, you know, but certainly if you feel the need to, it's, in, it's important to take that step because the chances are busy record labels and really cool record labels are not going to reach out to, to young DJs at the very start. The DJs need to build themselves up and make those connections, you know, their, their own way. Um, Another way of doing that is to, you know, 
is to network through doing your own events, you know, put on your own party, find a bar, play some records there every week, you know, talk to the people who come up to you who are into it, make friends with them and tell them about your next party and, and build on your own fan base and your own network so you're not just relying on other people, you know, coming to you. Yeah, events is an interesting option. Uh, but what about uh, strictly digital and maybe, uh, well, uh, things uh, involving less risk of money, like, uh, for example, doing a, a podcast or a series of mixes and promoting it and building a fan base around that. So uh, there is something, there is a specific uh, product that you come up with to uh, producers who don't know you yet. So you show that you've got this YouTube channel with uh, these thousands of views or you have this podcast or something like that and what do you think about these tips uh, these ideas or maybe some some other ones strictly online yeah i mean if you're looking online to be quite specific i'd recommend that any any dj if you're serious about getting further in the industry you should have a some kind of account where you can host your mixes or podcasts um whether that's you know a, a platform like soundcloud which is great for that Uh, you know, I'd, I'd suggest having something like that or a mixed cloud or your own blog and, and keeping it up to date and being, being regular and being consistent. You know, if you're consistent and active online, people will find, and then you're keeping consistent level of quality as well, um, people will find you and people will gravitate towards you. And I think that's quite an attractive thing. So, you know, I definitely suggest spending the money on a, on a pro account for some kind of audio hosting or a blog. You know, they're, they're very, very cost effective these these days. They're very little money. It's definitely, you know, it's the cost of buying one or two releases less a month, you know, on, on a digital download store. So I'd suggest doing that. You know, I'd also suggest, you know, stuff like making charts of your music, you know, showcasing your charts. Uh, labels are always interested in charts, especially if, you know, they've got their own stuff in them and you, you're able to sort of share your charts and it helps grow interest in releases you know it's all about making yourself look interesting and useful to a to a record label you know record labels are not closed doors they will work with people who are interesting and passionate but you need to yes yeah, solidify your online presence so definitely a, a hosted site keep it regular keep it updated keep interacting with the people around you and that will get you on the road to to getting noticed i think Yeah, a bunch of uh, cool advices here. Uh, sounds sounds good, and I fully agree with uh, all the points here. So I, yeah, I, I mean, the, the, this is just something that uh, should be implemented, but by every DJ and, and not only by producer and, and labels as well. And and right now I wanted to ask you actually about um, the the kind of the same similar question, but from a labels perspective. So first of all, I'm just personally curious. Um, uh, can you? Tell me uh, how what kind of feedback has been from uh, labels so far when you've been uh, pitching them your service or just uh, telling some label owners about these about promo hut. So I'm just curious what kind of response has been so far. Yeah, I mean the response has been overall really really positive. You know, people are really interested to see a new service out there. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's quite a few sort of established services for uh, selling music online. Um, There are quite a few established, you know, promo services out there, but we, we're operating in a in a kind of slightly unique way and a different space. So that sort of intrigued people and got their interest. And, and then, then when we've delved into the nitty gritty and nuts and bolts of how it works with them, you know, they're quite pleased with the way that 
service works for them. You know, what we've tried to do with Promo Hut is create a service that benefits both the end user and the label more than, uh, you know, it, more complementary, it's complementary to other services. So it doesn't mm-hmm. conflict with their existing sales platform or sales drive. It doesn't conflict with their promo services. It's an enhancement to all of that because it's really important. You know, one thing we we know from experience here in, at Promoheart and the t- you know the different people in the team, we all know that you know record labels need in 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 this digital age they need to have different ways of monetizing their music and different ways of of connecting with fans. And there's no one route. To have one route is is quite risky because if that one channel disappears. Um, then you're kind of back to square one. So, you know, it's all about music industry in, in the digital age is all about diversification of diversification of product, diversification of, of genre, um, diversification of technology. Um, so, you know, the, the reaction has been positive. We're adding a new service, a new string to their bow, a new service for them to use, a new way for them to reach fans, and that's really, really important. Awesome. And uh, if, uh, if there is a label owner uh, or someone from a label listening to this recording, is there, uh, w- what is the best way to reach out to you and uh, talk about becoming a part of uh, From Hub? Um, if they want to reach out to us, there's a contact email address on our website. It's just info at promohub.com and they can just send us an email and we'll get straight back to them with a load of info. Cool. And uh, yeah, so I actually wanted to ask you about something else re- related to labels and just generally useful information. Uh, I just want to uh, hear uh, your opinion on the, on the topic uh, concern, considering your experience. Uh, so uh, can you talk on uh, on the kind of release schedule that you think is effective these days for label? So uh, maybe how many releases uh, per, per month usually works best? Uh, and uh, uh, it's it's pretty known well known fact that if you want to get uh, uh, to the to the charts, you you need a lot of sales in the first week of the release. And uh, so what what kind of schedule you would recommend? Uh, Generally, I mean, of course, there are specifics to the genres and to the uh, size of the label, but are there any tips here? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the top tip would be to make sure that you're releasing regularly um, and relatively frequently. So I think you know, once a month is a good benchmark. You know, or bi-monthly if you've you know if you've got more sort of uh, more sort of tailored releases. But you should certainly be putting music out because at the end of the day, you know. It, it, we're in music. Most people are in electronic music because they're very passionate. You know, they come up as DJs or they come up as promoters uh, or music fans and clubbers. You know, everyone loves the scene, but it is still business. And if you want to have a successful label, you need to put product out there. You know, um, visibility is important. And the best way to, way to get visibility as a label is to put a release out. Um, and if you keep that process regular, then, you know, stores will notice Uh, fans will notice and you can start to build the, a following and a sales base from there. Um, so yeah, regular, I think any less than once every two months, you kind of, you know, or infrequently um, is it, patchy, you know, and, and can, can be damaging from my, from my personal point of view. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of labels that don't put any releases out, you know, one, one every six months and stuff like that and, and do perfectly well. But, you know, in the modern day, think a label needs to be quite dynamic and, and one release a month is good providing you know you as i've said before it's, it's a lot of quality control that needs to go into it you can't just put a release out every month as a half good release it has to be 
solid, very good release. So, you know, your A&R person or A&R team need to be constantly searching for new tracks, constantly working on new releases. So you've got lots in the pipeline so you can just push them out the door, you know. Um, and like you said, if you're constantly putting releases out and getting them out there, then then you get visibility in charts and stuff like that. So that's really important. Um, in terms of promotional schedules, you know, I think a reasonable amount of time in advance is good. You know, you don't want to be trying to promote your release just before you sell it for the first time. You need time for these releases to bed in and spread. So, you know, I think, you know, promotional schedules should be starting sort of 12 weeks before, you know, putting assets together and then just drip feeding information out coming up to the release. You know, I think promo in, in the digital age, it used to be sort of a lot longer, but now I think, you know, minimum of two weeks before um, the release date, the promo should be going out, ideally four to six, I would say, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's when you should be actually sending out the release to DJs because you need time to gather the reactions from those DJs and compile that into press releases and into feedback uh, packs to send to the retailers to make sure that they, you know, the release is visible for them. And if you leave yourself too short an amount of time, you, you can't get any leverage with those platforms. And since you mentioned that, uh, can you t t talk a little bit about uh, these packages that are sent by labels to, to retail stores? I guess you refer to the editorial departments of, uh, of digital stores, but what kind of information they're looking for? And uh, so, I mean, maybe there is, uh, once again, someone listening to these in, uh, to these chats uh, who, who just launched a label recently and uh, doesn't know these details just yet. So how do you um, uh, try to get a feature on a store like Beatport or Juno or some, something else? Um, well, each, each store will probably, I mean, I don't deal with specifics, but in general, each store will have a set of requirements the the types of information they want and when you when you're doing a deal with a store or a distributor they will tell you what kind of information they need um but in in general terms you know you should be looking at getting a way of building dj feedback so you want you know a solid mailing list of djs who are giving you comments and reactions on what their favorite tracks are and uh, what they think of the tracks um obviously the the, the bigger and more influential those djs are within the, the genre of music you're releasing the better um Also, information about uh, about social channels and reach online is becoming more and more important. And like we said earlier on, it's important to start that process as early as possible if you're looking to build a label, you know, building your fan base, because that does matter now. Because if a, if a, a, a retailer or a PR company or anyone you're working with can see that you can add value to the promotional process in terms of, you know, when you post it on your one of your channels, it gets a load of likes or a load of plays, that's a backup for them it adds to their their own promotion so you know they want to push stuff that is being pushed elsewhere so it's important that you do the legwork yourself and don't just rely on the platforms that are the retailers or the pr companies to do that for you you've got to do your own in-house stuff as well yeah 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 clear uh, and uh, yeah so just a little thingy that is related to uh, press releases uh it's uh, i i can see uh quite a bit of uh, different opinions online about the importance of press releases and uh, like some people are talking about press releases especially in the uh, 
uh, in their traditional form are dying, but at the same time uh, they're pretty actively used. Maybe uh, you can give some advice on formatting or, or what kind of information you would include in a press release for for new records. I think it, with stuff like that, it's best to keep it fairly simple. Um, a lot of the music we see uh, is digital and the press releases are all part of the promo package. So when the promo goes out, we send out some information with it. Um, so it should include, you know, clearly include, and this is, that's an important point, it should be clear because a lot of these things are not. It should include, the, you know, the catalogue number, the release date, where it will be available, a link to your website, ideally a link to the preview, but obviously you should be sending the previews with the press release. And then a short synopsis of the artist and of, of the tracks. Um, but it doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to be complicated. It just needs to be punchy and have the information. At the end of the day, you know, if you're doing edit, looking for editorial coverage, you want the person to listen to the music and formulate their own uh, comments and feedback on that. If you get a lot of coverage online that's just regurgitated press releases, then it doesn't look that strong because if a press release is written by you, you know, it's great for people to be inspired by it, but you want you want them to be inspired to go on to write something about you. And that's why it's important to build relationships with those people who write. You know, if, you, if you're starting a label, you're sending music out, you should definitely be sending it to the top five bloggers of your genre um, and speaking to them and saying, hey, you know, look, this is our new release. What do you think? What, you know, do you think your readers would like it, like to hear about it, you know, and building those relationships because those people are really important now. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's sort of early taste makers. Um, mm -hmm. And, and their, their, their opinion is quite valuable. Um, and it's very a very independent voice, so it's good because people don't associate it with a brand or a particular platform or anything like that. So look for those independent voices is another good tip when you're sending out PR. Mm -hmm. And any other PR tips? Or I mean, you you mentioned quite a bit already, but maybe using uh, like social networks or special tools, or maybe how to approach media appropriately. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always. People love free things, so it's always good to give stuff away for free. If you're a label, it's always good to have, you know, a free track available via one of your social media platforms, you know, whether that's Facebook or Twitter or SoundCloud. Um, you know, and it's often good to to try and leverage something in return for that free track, you know, like an email address. So you can send them information when the release comes out or uh, when you're DJing at a new gig, you know. So, yeah. Free downloads are really good, a really good way to attract people. It's really nice to create unique content to give to your fans. Um, you know, I think that's an important thing, to, to give your fans unique stuff that they can only get from you uh, and to build on that. Like we said earlier, mixes, podcasts, free tracks, you know, press a mix CD and send it to them in the post. Run a little mini competition on your channel. You know, be creative about how you do these things because that's really what engages people is creative ideas that they can latch onto. But yeah, free downloads, competitions, doesn't need to be complicated, um, but also try and make sure you in get interaction with them ongoing. So, you know, you're getting people to like your page and share your page or give you their email address. 
Excellent, excellent. All brilliant advice. I really, really appreciate uh, you sharing these tips. Uh, something else that I want to ask you, and maybe you won't have uh, a lot to say about this topic, but I, at Wispin specifically, at this uh, education platform that we launched, uh, I talk a lot about niche marketing and storytelling and things uh, like that. And uh, in, in electronic music, I've noticed it's not Uh, that's common to use such techniques like uh, trying to look beyond uh, the genre beyond the music scene it's mostly about the music so the release like the description how it's positioned how it's presented like it's it's just uh, about the music and uh, how good the track is just trying to sell the track not exactly the story behind the track and maybe you have uh, seen some examples and what what do you like personally feel about trying to come up with some stories and concepts that are maybe may not be related to music for example if uh, a track uh, supports some cause or maybe there is just an interesting life story tied to the track and it's promoted like as as a whole package the music the artwork and the story uh, or maybe a, a video with, with with the story so what do you feel about this Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting idea, storytelling. Um, and you do see it in, in, you know, electronic music has a rich history of amazing stories. Um, and they tend to center around individuals, you know, like key producers and DJs. And I think that's definitely something labels could look to to leverage more. And there are some great examples of, of, of brands that kind of have a heritage and a story behind them, um, you know, like, Warp, Warp Records being a, an example for me from my sort of background where, you know, Warp have kind of built a story around their brand, which is basically the idea, the story of, of a quality brand that can do anything it wants to do. You know, if you look at Warp Records, they now have their own film company. They've released in the last, I think, 10 years, they've released like something like 12 films, um, you know, with quite a lot of success. Um So I think, yes, yeah, storytelling and building on your brand is important. Um, to focus on the music exclusively, I think, can end up um, pushing you into too narrow a bracket. You know, if you just focus on this artist released that record, then you just become, uh, you know, tagged with a, a genre label and that's all you do. So I think it, the storytelling is a good idea to broaden up the reach of what you do and to interact with people in a different way. Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea. And as like you said, I haven't really seen, I can't really think of any examples specifically off my head where that's really happening with younger labels. Alpha, I think it's really a good idea to look into these because it's difficult to differentiate yourself uh, just by music because in any even in a, in a subgenre which is which may be not the most uh, mainstream or popular something underground there is a lot of competition so to me this is the way to uh, kind of hack the system a little bit and mm. uh, get the recognition quicker trying to uh, reach people uh, in, in, in some places that are not exactly the same places that competitors uh, are targeting. So just trying to uh, capture people who are in a, in a market that is not related to music, but who likes who li- uh, people who like the music. So it's, um, I mean, it's, it's not the easiest thing because you need to pick that niche and and uh, build something interesting around it but it can be pretty uh, effective and uh, in other 
genres. It's it's used more and more actively in electronic music. It's still a lot about tradition, and it's a bit ironical to me uh, uh, because uh, what well, not not ironical, but it's just interesting because of to the, in the states right now it's a boom of electronic dance music and it's something like a brand new thing but electronic music has a sto- history of a uh, couple decades and uh, it's a lot about tradition in, in many things still so uh, to many people it it looks like something brand new but in fact electronic music has a, a really rich and interesting story uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that as in the American uh, explosion of dance music over the past couple of years in that it's funny, if you look at it historically, um, you know, the roots of, of electronic music are in, in the US quite heavily. Um, Detroit. But, yeah, Detroit and Chicago. Uh, yeah. And we see hip hop and electro. Um, and then, but then the UK, to some extent, took a lot of that adopted a lot of that culture and nurtured it and now it's kind of we i think the uk is a very good place to to look at electronic music growth because we're kind of an amplifier we're like a lens that filters different things and we take a lot of different genres and ideas in and, and and mash them up in much the same way as you know people do with software now you know we kind of take bits and bobs of different uh, musical culture electronic fuse it together and push it back out uh, and it's interesting to see america like picking up speed with the rest of uh, Europe and, and other places in the world in terms of electronic music and that, that blowing up there considering like some of the seeds were planted in those in those cities yeah 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 it's it's uh, interesting and, and uh, different like, n- a lot of people still don't uh, kind of know this and I think everyone who gets into electronic music these days has to know the history of 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 the genres and how it developed and so so yeah it's but it's a whole different topic we could be talking just about that for hours i think but uh i think this uh, conversation uh, um, has been filled with a lot of great advice and recommendations so i would just sit with a pen and paper and uh, write some bullet points for myself down if i were a uh, producer dj listening to this so thank you a lot for the insights uh, I'm linking to all the uh, web profiles of, of, of the websites and uh, your social media profiles in the show notes. But if you have anything to add or maybe recommend to the listener, uh, keep in mind that we are talking to uh, independent musicians in the first place. And yeah, so do you have anything to say? Um, just you know, just to reiterate what I've already said, if you're interested in electronic music, make sure you you know you stay passionate about stuff that you do. Keep true to the music that you enjoy. It sounds very cliche, but it's really important. You know that you you, you keep looking for new things. You keep looking for things that excite you, because at the end of the day, if you're excited about something, that translates very very quickly and very easily to either a crowd or to a person that you're talking to. Um, and you know drive and passion are the kind of foundations of the creative industry so people will always identify with that excellent thank you thank you for for this conversation no worries it's been a pleasure you have been listening to the we spin recipes podcast learn how we can help you improve your music career at we spin 12.com